The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion and this special roundtable event with industry experts from 5D that offers a platform for exploring the present and future of immersive design and its impact on all aspects of the creative media space. My guests today in this special roundtable program represent 5D, a leading entertainment industry design, technology and innovation organization whose platform for exploring the present and future of immersive design and its impact on all aspects of the creative media space has as its ultimate mission the employment of bold strategies to create a better future for human beings through the collaboration of designers and scientists in converging scientific understanding and media solutions leading to the urgent social, sustainability, innovative and environmental changes essential for humanity. Its upcoming event in Long Beach, California on February the 14th is hosted by Dr. Jerry Schubel, CEO of the Aquarium of the Pacific, who joins me today along with Stuart Brand, ecologist, pragmatist, writer, futurist and founder and editor of the Whole Earth Catalogue, winner of the National Book Award in 1972. Chris Goats, director of the University Art Museum in Long Beach, California, and Jerry Zucker, award-winning film writer, director, and producer. Jerry's films include Airplane, Rat Race, Ghost, My Life, and many others. Jerry is also a master storyteller and co-chair of the Science Entertainment Exchange. I'm also supported today in the studio by my colleague Randall Libero, senior producer of In Discussion and co-host of Visionary Entertainment. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Good Thank to you. Be with you. I bet you loved. I bet you all loved that introduction. I'm sure you were wondering when it was going to end. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you say that again in the introduction? I missed it. Of course, I'll start right now. <laughs> it's a pleasure to join you again in the studio here, David. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Jerry Schubel, if I may, I would like to start with yourself and talk about the Aquarium of the Pacific and its role uh, in hosting this upcoming event um, at the convention center there in, in Long Beach uh, and really referencing to uh, the oceanic work that you're involved in and the global ecosystems uh, patterns that fall under the mandate and vision of the aquarium. I wondered if you could start off with that overview, please. All right. Well, the Aquarium of the Pacific uh, opened in June of 1998, so we're one of the younger major aquariums in the country. We're now the fourth largest, though, in terms of visitors. Last year, we got over one and a half million. And be, because we're in Southern California, we're in one of the most heavily urbanized areas of the land and also one of the most urbanized areas of the ocean. So we see it as, our, as a major role and responsibility of ours to connect people and their activities to what those activities are doing to the ocean and to the earth as a whole. 
because there are serious problems on this planet and it's its ability to continue to sustain human life. And the only way we're going to increase the the odds of human life thriving, uh, we've been around for 100 to 200,000 years, and the question is, will Earth support us for another 100,000 years? And if, it, if it's going to, we're going to have to get good at managing human activities. We talk about managing the environment, but we really don't do much in the way of managing the environment. The challenge is to manage human activities. And so this conference becomes very important to us to explore this big question of whether the Earth will continue to support human life. And we want to challenge whether conventional approaches to conservation and environmentalism, all of which are important, mind you, but are they enough? So we will explore with our distinguished panelists alternative pathways to the future for humans and try to identify which of the things, the activities are the greatest threats to having the future that we want and, and explore what kinds of things we might be able to do. And with that said, could I bring uh, Chris Goats into this uh, and talk uh, a bit, uh, Chris, to the the 5D um, organization and and that converging media that that is being explored? Yeah, the the conference was started uh, four years ago. Uh, I'm co-director with Alex McDowell, who's a production designer who has worked on such films as Minority Report and Terminal Spielberg. And uh, Alex is a board member of the University Art Museum here at Cal State Long Beach. And we were, four years ago, sitting around a dinner table trying to figure out ways of sort of widening the spectrum of programming at the museum and beginning to look at ways to introduce film, uh, TV, architecture, animation, and gaming into a much larger conversation and decided we began to work on this conference called 5D as a way of, I mean, the world is not the same now as it was 10, 15 years ago, and there's enormous convergence of media. And as we began to develop this project, we began to look at how, what does it mean to be at a museum and to look at the future of this technology as it relates to these various areas. And then in developing the program for 5D08, uh, Jerry Schubel from the Aquarium was on one of our panels uh, called uh, A Bigger Bang, where R and science collide, and essentially sort of threw down the gauntlet at that presentation and talked about how designers need to be involved in issues of the environment and, and ocean and so forth. And out of that conversation for the past year and a half has grown this event for Sunday at the, at, uh, here in Long Beach and also for the larger conference, which will take place here at the Carpenter Arts Center on the campus of Cal State Long Beach in October. And the um, Design is Change, uh, How Storytelling Can Change the World series is a part of a, a larger network of, of uh, programs that we're working on for that conference in October. Well, you mentioned that um, uh, this conference that's coming up on February 14th in Long Beach has got a kind of a different approach where you're looking at the idea of design and designing the future and thinking about the future in terms of a design issue. Can you expand a little bit more on what that idea represents? Well, the, the idea is is that um, this design environment, um, we have 
architects using animation software to build buildings. We have filmmakers that are making games. I mean, the the notion that the that there's a silo community in terms of design is really uh, dissolving. And the fact that uh, the the humanitarian portion of this program, this, this conference, and what Jerry is putting forward is, is vitally important. And in fact, I think it's the most important uh, sort of track in many ways because it begins to look at very serious issues that are affecting all of us. Jerry, what do you think? Well, I, Chris, I would agree. And there, there, if you've ever read this little book, uh, The Lessons of History by Will and Ariel Durant, they make a statement in it that the future never just happened. It always was created. So if you accept that, the conditions that we have on the planet today were created by us largely without any thought, without any design in mind. And, and so there, 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 there's this wonderful opportunity to use art and design, music, everything to try to bring people together to create something quite magnificent for the future of human beings and all of the other things with which we share this planet. And um, that's, that's really what this is going to be all about. Could I bring in uh, Stuart, Stuart Brand, if, if you may, just to expand upon that with your viewpoint? Um, I think we're in a funny place. As a lifelong environmentalist, I'm finding that a lot of us are having to uh, turn our perspective on things 180 because uh, all my life I've been defending natural systems against civilization. And now with climate change, I'm putting most of my effort into defending civilization from a uh, natural system uh, now at odds with us, which is uh, the dynamics of climate change. And uh, that, that changes everything pretty fundamentally. Uh, does that mean, in effect, then that conventional approaches to the environment are, are inadequate at this stage? Um, I think you keep doing the stuff that environmental uh, practice has gotten good at, at uh, protecting the natural infrastructure, at restoring wild lands, at uh, caring about climate has been really our, our biggest accomplishment. We've been at it for nearly 60 years now, and it is on everybody's agenda where it belongs. But some of the things that uh, we also got in the habit of doing, which is uh, resisting technology in the form of uh, nuclear power, which is really clean in terms of greenhouse gases or resisting biotechnology as it's come to agriculture and making uh, much more ecologically sound food and fiber crops happen, um, I think we're getting in the way of important progress there. And, and in that, could I return to you, Jerry Schubel, uh, to talk about the uh, current position with the ecosystems, the environment, and, and the social awareness about that? Well, let's see. Uh, let me start with, with the ocean, which uh, I know best, but then I'd be happy to talk about the Earth as a whole. If you look at the ocean, again, we have this, this set of problems of longstanding overfishing, destructive fishing, bycatch, uh, habitat destruction along the coastline to fill areas, drain wetlands, for example. But then we have this whole new set of, of issues that relate primarily to climate change. So we're warming the upper ocean. We're losing coral reefs uh, through, the, through bleaching and so on. And probably at least as important is ocean acidification. We, by adding CO2 to the atmosphere, it stays there for maybe a century, and then it gets transferred to the ocean where it stays for 10 times longer than that, and maybe even longer. 
And so the more CO2 you add to the ocean, the more acidic it becomes. And since we have a lot of plankton and other organisms within the ocean that rely upon extracting calcium carbonate from the ocean to make their skeletons, it makes it increasingly difficult for them to do that. And with the loss of this plankton and some of the primary productivity, we threaten entire food webs all the way up to the fisheries that we humans depend upon. And so we've got to look at the, the, these big global effects that are resulting from human activities, primarily the burning of fossil fuels. And I would agree with Stuart that it, the other activity of humans that has had the biggest impact on the planet is agriculture. Now, we've not gotten very good at avoiding famine uh, that was predicted um, back in the 70s, but we, it takes a huge toll on the environment in terms of herbicides, pesticides, uh, fertilizers running off into the ocean, causing over-fertilization, plankton blooms, dead zones in the ocean. So we've got to figure out how to increase the agricultural yield with less of an environmental burden. And then on the energy side, we've got to reduce our dependency on, on fossil fuels. And it's going to be a long time before we are able to get to where we need to with renewables. So I would agree with Stuart that nuclear power is at least a very important transitional strategy over the next number of decades. And Stuart Brand, could you just expand upon your latest book, Whole Earth Discipline? Could you, could you specify or define uh, what that discipline is in regard to all these massive issues that we have? The opening words of the book are, we are as gods and have to get good at it. Um, back in the old days of the Whole Earth Catalog, 30 years ago, I said we are as gods and might as well get good at it. But we've now got a, an obligation, I think, because we're, we're, we were stewards unaware, it turns out. We've been uh, creating an Earth increasingly dominated by the 40% of the ice-free land area that is given over to agriculture, and it's not just the things that are coming out of those fields, uh, like the pesticides and herbicides. It's also the very fact that it's not uh, wildland, it's not forest, or, or whatever it was before we uh, started plowing it. So we are, uh, you know, this has been referred to as the Anthropocene. Uh, in terms of the geological eras. We had the Holocene for 10,000 years, and now we have the Anthropocene, the human-dominated era. Things we're doing in the atmosphere and in the oceans will be with us for thousands of years. The things that we do are a permanent part of the geological record. And uh, it's a hell of a responsibility with uh, a lot of si lot more science than we used to have to tell us what to do and how to do it and how to be careful not to make certain kinds of mistakes, but we need drastically more science just to figure out what's going on with the oceans. Uh, the microbes in the oceans are, and the microbes in the soil are largely responsible for the makeup of the atmosphere. We're just now, with science like uh, metagenomics, starting to learn what really goes on with the ecology of the microbes, and uh, that's going to be huge. But Stuart, I would agree with you that we need lots more science, but we should not use the lack of science as some reason for delaying taking action, because we certainly know enough now to take some important steps. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I never mean science instead of action. I mean action with science simultaneously and science watching the action we do to see if it's working and what to right. improve on and what to forget right. and so on. 
Uh, could we just move on uh, here to uh, the five D vision uh, in in talking about the expanded media cohesion that that delivery outlet, um, uh, talking about the the multi platform led media delivery to an audience to be able to encourage the audience to learn about all these very issues, these aforementioned issues that we're talking about here. Um, Chris Coates, maybe you could lend or, or talk to that. Well, a huge part of 5D is about education. I mean, that's part of the museum's mission. It's part of the university's mission, too. And there is a track at the conference about immersive design and education within the digital space. But uh, I think what a lot uh, Jerry and Stuart are talking about is is it's all about a, a kind of a literacy, a multiliteracy that... Um, for at least from, for our, from our perspective, is that you know stories get told from in various ways. Oftentimes, people like to watch film, uh, they like to write, um, they can listen, and I think there's a, a certain sense that you know it's a responsibility. Let's say that we need to provide various perspectives and ideas uh, from a notion of literacy and how people are reading the world and how people are experiencing the world. And this notion of multi-platform delivery of ideas is really about content and how do you develop a content that is both meaningful, that is practical, and gets to these other, these other more deeper issues that both Stuart and uh, Dr. Schubel are talking about. But the, the basis for 5D is to provide a platform for both students, uh, professionals alike, to begin to map out a much larger map uh, of issues where um, the science of this, the design of these issues, so designers and artists and filmmakers and architects are working with the scientists to make this incredibly important story, I think, is what part of 5D is really about, is the mission of that, as it relates to this particular issue. Well, I wanted to bring into the discussion now Jerry Zucker and continue on the track that, Chris, you were just talking about as far as the ways that um, science and entertainment are actually converging. Jerry Zucker, what would be some of the projects or ideas that, um, that would, you think that would be in discussion at this conference that, are, that you feel would be of most timely value to uh, a global audience? Well, I think it would be great um, to make an effort in the in the same way the uh, science and entertainment exchange is is making an effort to get uh, better just sciencing messaging science messaging into uh, uh, into the media, particularly film and, and television. Uh, but but I think uh, certainly 5D can do that uh, with with, uh, with with this specific message about about the, about the environment and about the ocean. And and uh, but it, but it, but I think um, it can't be a scattershot approach. Uh, it's it's important to really almost uh, like a political campaign. Uh, you know, they they in a political campaign they they do polling and then find out what the core. Um, it, you know, issues are going to be and, and how to get to people and they go after uh, the population very specifically and I think that, um, that that's kind of what needs to be done but uh, I, movies and television can be incredibly powerful, you know uh, there are so many examples uh, when Henry Winkler as the Fonz on Happy Days uh, got a library card millions of kids went out and got library cards 
and and but you you have to hit it in the right way. Just the, just its presence on a TV show or in a movie won't necessarily guarantee it. But that's why um, we're trying to you know uh, convince as many uh, people as we can to to uh, take this message seriously and <clears throat> transmit it in a in a way that doesn't feel like like like. Uh, we're lecturing uh, people, uh, but but in a way that that can have a real impact. Can I make a suggestion on that? Sure, Mr. Stewart. Um, it it seems to be a, a surprise to a lot of people that uh, science is an argument, <laughs> and so there are people who will say that climate change isn't happening because the climatologists uh, obviously don't agree with each other about various matters. And actually, that's a sign that the science is moving ahead very, very well, that they're disagreeing about these things. Yeah. It also adds to the, frankly, to the entertainment value of science. If you can get inside some of the arguments and let people participate in them and watch how, as evidence accrues over time, the argument moves on. And, but you never stop arguing. That's actually kind of fun to learn. Uh, that is really fun, but uh, I... Um, someone once said the the uh, uh, failed mantra of the uh, liberal campaign is we'll make them understand, and and when you're you know when you're doing messaging where you're really trying to turn the public around, which is a pretty like turning a big boat around, obviously, uh, you you really have to make a kind of an emotional uh, message. You 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 have have to hit an emotion uh, somehow, and my fear is, and, and uh, let me say, but, but uh, does it help with the that the scientists argue with great emotion? <laughs> not, not really, because I don't think they. I don't. It's very hard. Look, it's always important to have correct information out there for people to find, whether it's on the internet or in the newspaper, whatever. Always should be that. Always should be out there. But I think you'll find that the number of people who take advantage of it and access it and 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 make can make sense out of it, it ends up to be a rather small percentage. And that's why when you look at political campaigns in the United States, and by the way, this is not good. I'm not, I'm not advocating that this is a great thing uh, about the world, but, but uh, you know, if you look at political campaigns, you see that it's always, it, it's always distilled to the to the simplest, uh, uh, with the exception of the the handful of debates, uh, you know the thirty second ads are basically fear and hope, and and uh, so uh, you know that's kind of the problem you're facing is uh, that the 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 audience uh, who will really follow and be energized by debate between scientists is is a very limited audience. But and, some, this is Jerry Schubel, but somehow we have to expand that audience among young people because we're, we're not getting as many young people, particularly young women and minorities, interested in careers in science. Well, but let, okay, let me give you an example then, is, is that, that uh, um, my friend Ann Simon um, uh, at the University of Maryland, who's working on the... Um, uh, the turnip crinkle virus. <laughs> I love that. I have no idea what it is. Uh, maybe you do, Jerry. But anyway, um, she's uh, uh, she's a scientist and a professor. And uh, back, uh, she she had uh, been a consultant on the X Files. And so she asks, while that show was on the air, she asked 
her um, a, a, a freshman class of 500 people. She asked the women in the class, what influenced you to, to go into science? And half of them said the X-Files because it was a strong female character as a scientist. So what I'm saying is that sometimes uh, something in a, in a show that really is, is science fiction is, is entertainment, um, uh, the purpose of which is solely entertainment, uh, can be, move the needle a lot further than, um, you know, than real hard uh, uh, intellectual discussion. Well, oh, I would totally agree. No, that was the point. That you've made it better than I did. But, for example, in, in aquariums and science centers and museums, I think we're often too preoccupied with conveying facts in the, in the guise of the public understanding of science. And it may be more important for the public to understand how the scientific enterprise works. And as Jerry said, argument, debate, posing questions, it's not like putting one foot in front of the other the way we, we often portray it. It's more like the drunkard's walk. And it's, a, it's an exciting process of discovery and disappointment, and uh, it, 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 that's what I think we maybe need to get across to young people. Mm-hmm. Which is why I love, this is Chris Coates, which is why I love the idea of a museum of contemporary art working with the aquarium, working with scientists, working on all these other areas that a museum of our size and our scope wouldn't normally do. And, and, and if I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if, if I may, could I just come in here and, and uh, taking that, um, elaborate on the, the way that we can merge the corporate sector uh, with the think tanks, with scientists, with designers, to, to create that social awareness, that, uh, that transparency, and, and create the funding to, to take care of all of these issues. Uh, Jerry Schubel, maybe you could, could respond to that. Well, I guess I, I'm, we used to believe that it was all the uh, big, bad corporations that were the biggest threats to the environment, and I don't think that's true any longer, certainly not in the developed world. I think what, it's a bigger, more formidable challenge in that we somehow have to get people around the world to work together to create this shared vision of what we want the Earth to be like, and it means creating opportunities for the poorest and the least fortunate among us in, in, develop, in the developing world. And we, the, it should be possible, given all the social networks that we have um, and the, the spread of, of cell phones, and there's a, there's a wonderful new program uh, that's using music to do it. It started up in Santa Monica, um, and they've gone around the world with this one song, uh, Stand By Me, that's now sung in I don't know how many dozens of languages. We've got to galvanize people to change attitudes and behaviors. Because again, I come back to it's, it's what the kinds of ways that we cho- humans have chosen to measure our value and the impacts that we have, have on Earth. And um, to me, that, that's how media can help merge science, art, entertainment, design to create this, this grand vision. And if it's a design problem, we'll need the best storytelling we've ever done, and it's the most challenging design problem we've ever had in the history of humankind on this earth, and I, and I do believe that it is. Could I just move on from that? Um, 
and talk about the responsibility of the the world's large largest corporations who probably have uh, more strength in society today than 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 possibly governments uh, or the political system um, can we can we talk about how uh, heads of industry um, can improve their image can become more involved in this design paradigm that we talk about um, in gaining that public support uh, in, in all of these areas of, of sustainability of the environment, um, m- maybe I could I could just have you uh, follow up with that, uh, Jerry Schubel, and then we could possibly move on to uh, to Stuart Brand. Okay. Well, uh, it seems to me some of the large multinational corporations that sell soft drinks, for example, around the world, and some of our uh, technology companies. They, they have an, a growing presence in some of these developing countries, and so I think that if we could convince them to incorporate some of these big environmental messages, maybe that would go a long way. And in, in fact, some of them, I think, are quite sensitive to the uh, the amount of water, for example, in, in sugar cane and how it goes into soft drinks. Uh, so it, I think, again, it comes though down to having a broadly shared vision that gets out to the people who make choices of what kinds of products they're going to buy. And Stuart Brand, uh, could you comment on that? And perhaps uh, could I just interject with the argument that possibly uh, profitability uh, in these larger corporations is it's still um, uh, clouding over the, the bigger issues of, of the environment and the urgency that we see? is never the main event with large corporations. I worked with a lot of them. Uh, staying, staying in existence is the, is the large uh, situation for them, and, and profit is part of that. Uh, most corporations disappear uh, within 20 to 60 years. There's only a few that have lasted more than 100 years. So they're basically ephemeral situations, and they know it. Frankly, the commercial activity that I'm most interested in in terms of well, the environment and everything else, is what's happening is uh, everybody in the world is moving to cities. They're moving to cities for the economic opportunity. Uh, We're now more than a half-urban world. And uh, the informal economy in the squatter cities and the slums where a billion people live, they are generating a grassroots economy, one rupee at a time, that is uh, becoming a, a, you know, in dollar form, this multi-trillion dollar operation at a, at a very minute but absolutely crucial level because it's transformative for the individuals, for the families, and for the small businesses that get started. So that's where, frankly, I think all of the action is. And, and engaging that entrepreneurial juice, uh, which is all over the world, is where the most fun is, frankly, the most creativity. Uh, these are the people who live the greenest, not because they want to, because they're poor. So they don't use much energy. They don't use much materials. Recycling is a, is a way of life in all the slums of the world. Um, it's how a lot of people get the few rupees they have, is that they're sorting garbage and so on. So in a sense, they're starting from the ground up and, and reinventing uh capitalism at a level that I think nobody would disapprove of, and how they grow their businesses, how they come to collaborate with each other, how they finally get to participate in the global economy, 
uh, with serious cash crops, whether it's food or software or whatever. That's where all the action is. And uh, But they want electricity, among other things. Uh, they can't do all of that without it. And so then are they burning coal, which everybody does because it's cheap, or can ways be found for them to uh, get electricity without using fossil fuels? And then, then you're... You're stepping right into the profit motive, their profit motive, uh, right where it should be. They're trying to get education for their kids. They're, they're building schools out of nothing, uh, putting together uh, the money of a few parents and hiring teachers on the sly. Uh, but it's just a little bit of money that makes all that happen. So I think the grassroots uh, capitalism is where the action is. And, and in painting that picture and being able to put that onto a, a multi-platform media delivery, uh, Jerry Zucker, how is the storytelling uh, methodology going to change? How would you uh, elevate these issues through storytelling, which is clearly a, a very strong premise uh, and vision uh, that, that is part of the 5D vehicle? Well, as I said before, I think you have to. Uh, you can't. You you can't put a book up on screen. You know, you have to uh, dis, dis, distill it and decide what things you're going to get across. And then what what we're doing at the Science and Entertainment Exchange is that we're uh, pairing uh, filmmakers and and, and uh, you know television and film uh, with with scientists. So if you call the the exchange and you have a particular story that requires any kind of science, we'll, we'll pair you up with the, uh, uh, the appropriate uh, scientist and a, and a major scientist, even just for brainstorming sci-fi. Uh, but, um, you know, as, as time goes on, the, the, the uh, exchange is fairly, it's fairly new, uh, but, but we, we also can take steps in certain areas to encourage people um, uh, to uh, uh, to delve into certain areas, we can I, I can call uh, Jerry Bruckheimer or whoever and say I think you ought to meet with with an, an oceans expert and and do or or his writers or whatever and and, uh, and say I think you should uh, you should look into this uh, area and and I think it's just done. I think it's a, it's it's done a little bit at a time, a show at a time, a movie at a time, and I don't know that there's any uh, big master um, way to way to uh, you know uh, do it in a in a larger way. You know, we've got a good existence proof in the uh, the new movie Avatar, where mm-hmm. pretty serious botanists and anthropologists were brought into that right. to uh, brainstorm the science fiction, and they did brilliantly and had a high old time and a yeah. great movie. No, that, it's that's interesting because the. Uh <laughs> the, you know, when we've uh, uh, talked with writers about this and have gone through the process and talked to these scientists, the scientists can do a much better job of imagining what might be in the future and coming up with amazing uh, 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 plot points uh, and and uh, and scenes than than writers can. I mean, they, they obviously it, someone has to end up writing it um, and and putting it into dramatic form, but. But these the scientists are. I mean, the scientists and and uh, uh, you know uh, filmmakers are are similar. We we uh, uh, 
we share a, 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 a creative passion and uh, a sense of problem solving, and, and both sides have been really in, in enjoying the the process. And and it's you know it's already uh, uh, paying dividends. I mean, there we are getting more uh, uh, you know science positive science messaging into uh, uh, in, into uh, film and television. And and you're right, Avatar is an excellent example. I think that was without hitting you over the head with, with it. It was a, a brilliant environmental message. I think we are making some progress. One of the things, though, I think we kind of reinforced this impression that humans are not part of nature and that nature rebels against humans. We, we are part of nature and we dominate nature and we've got to figure out how to do a better job of managing our activities and manage, managing this, uh, these large earth systems. That's the one objection that I would have. Well, Avatar did a very good job of connecting with the audience, and I think one of the things that movies do is they tap into sort of the collective unconscious of what people are already thinking. The possibility of showing a vision of the future to a large audience is always something that is, is a point of power for the artist and also uh, for the audience because when an artist, a filmmaker, is able to paint a vision of the future, a picture of the future that would motivate people or or provide them with an idea or a point of view that, that they did not have before. Um, Mr. Zucker, one of the things that, what are some of the things that you can do or feel that you can do as a filmmaker to promote ideas which are uh, beneficial to the goals of both 5D and, and, and t- ideas like uh, environmental sustainability. Well, well, in, in terms of uh, 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 looking into the future, a movie to to show the future. I, th- I think what we do there is is uh, uh, show uh, the earth, uh, you know, verdant and beautiful, and the oceans are pure, and there's no acidification is all gone, and and uh, it's just beautiful and lovely. Except there are no humans, <laughs> and and so and so people will uh, see what things would be like with uh, with without them. Uh, because obviously the humans are, are doing all the damage. I'm, I'm kind of kidding there, but but uh, I think that that there are you know obviously you have two choices with the future. You can show a you can you can show a scary future and make them not want to get there, or or. A, a more beautiful future, but then you have to show how you how you got there. I think there are a hundred ways uh, to do it. Where um, uh, you know you, you can uh, um, you can do a movie that 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 concerns uh, the ocean. We're actually I won't don't want to say a lot about it now, but we're Jerry has helped us actually a bit with this movie we're doing uh, uh, about a shark <laughs> and and. Uh, uh, a, uh, a, a a man who turns into a shark. So it's obviously science uh, fiction, and it's and it's actually not. Um, you know, it, it's a, uh, a, a an entertainment romp. But I still, you know, within that, there's enormous opportunity to show 
the the uh, what's what's going on with with the oceans and and uh, you know the interesting thing about sharks and when you're talking about uh, about people's fears, it's one of the most probably the most feared animal and yet accounts for you know f- fewer deaths every year than than uh, you know most bugs uh, and certainly mosquitoes and and things that we um, dogs things that we don't fear at all um, and they've been around a, a, a lot longer um, than than we have billions of years uh, but but I, I think so so that's just one example but I think there are um, there are a thousand ways to do it but I think it has to be done as a piece of entertainment uh, because documentaries are great they're a great educational vehicle but but they generally with a few exceptions uh, don't have um, uh, you know an enormous impact up on the public, but I think that I think there's a, like as you just pointed out a variety of perspectives on this. I think you can do it through film. I think you can do it through exhibitions. I think you can do it through books. I think you can do it through conversations. And it's all about curating whether you're actually working on a film to curate a group of people together that are having a meaningful conversation about all of this material. And I think it's the connected trying to connect the dots between conferences and books and exhibitions and programs and films, TV and yeah. the, the like, and these multiple platforms that will get... Well, the exactly, eventually to connect all these things, and I, I think that's great that that's what you guys are, are, are trying to do. I mean, the, the first thing in any field is to interest people in in pursuing this subject, in putting this messaging into whatever medium they're in. And, and that's what we're kind of doing now with the, ex, with the ex, exchange. Uh, and, and I think that, that, you know, the more uh, we all do that, the, I think we'll, 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 we'll find a, an incredibly receptive uh, uh, audience. And I think the Science Entertainment Exchange is a really powerful idea. And, I, Jerry, I, I would agree with you that somehow we have to get this into the movies that attract the millions and millions of people. So it's, it's not just the environmentalists. Uh, it's, it's the general public. Clay Christensen, who is a professor at the Harvard Business School a number of years ago, introduced the concept of disruptive technologies. And the examples that he used were the Internet and cell phones and digital cameras. They totally changed the, 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 the technologies and displaced a lot of technologies. And I think we have to be thinking of, is there a, a, an analog here with disruptive stories about the Earth and humans' relationships to the Earth that we could have all over the world, just like we've got cell phones all over Africa. Can we be telling some of these simple, universal stories that will result in change? Could I, could I come in here, and with all that said, uh, Jerry Schubel, uh, could you give me conclusions on what you want to see, what you all want to see in the outcome? Um, and the, and the real solutions that that are being offered here by, uh, in particular, this upcoming event uh, at the aquarium. Well, I, I would like to start that people would come away thinking they've have had the opportunity to listen in on a very important conversation among our four outstanding panelists, and I would like to think that um, most of them would would understand that. 
we have put the Earth at risk in terms of its ability to sustain life as we know it. The Earth doesn't care. The Earth's going to go on for a long time uh, with or without human beings. So it's humans that are largely at risk. And if we're going to ensure conditions that will allow humans to continue to thrive, I hope that people will reaffirm their belief in their commitments to conventional conservation and environmentalism, reduce, reuse, recycle, all of those things that we've grown up with. But we'll also acknowledge that we have to ask bigger questions and explore the implications of bigger questions, whether it's genetically modified agriculture, nuclear power, climate intervention, but they shouldn't be off the table. That, that we, we really need to, to look at them. And can you just break down, having said that, the prime purpose uh, or the, the prime contribution between the, the two major parties there, Jerry, the, the designers and the scientists? Well, I think Chris said it earlier. I think that the partnership of scientists and artists and designers can be a very powerful one. Science is is meant to, uh, we argue, we debate, and we over time we, we try to persuade people uh, with certain outcomes. And a good scientific paper, if you read it, you go away saying, well, that was the only or the, the best interpretation that that person could arrive at given the facts that he or she had. Art, the best art tends to provoke people into thinking. Good art invites you in and lets you finish the interpretation. Design, on the other hand, brings clarity. So I think it's, it's the combination of science and art and design by which we can develop the, the basis for these powerful stories that then guys like Jerry Zucker can tell that will get to millions and millions of people. And for Jerry uh, Zucker, could you follow up on that? Uh, what you're looking for um, uh, uh, in the outcome and, and the solutions of this event and, and the, the 5D vision? Well, uh, you know, when we first... Um started uh, um, working, getting into uh, politics because of uh, stem cell, to, to defend science with, with, with stem cell. And, and uh, we knew there was something wrong with when, when uh, President Bush uh, said no NIH money could be used uh, for uh, embryonic stem cell research and that that, that was a, a ridiculous decision. And we knew nothing about politics, uh, and, but we knew we had to do something. So we just got a bunch of people in a room who were smart. And, and you know, really, we had a big kind of dinner at the house and, and invited everybody over, and we just started to talk. And I think that's the really important first step. That's what you, you know, this is, this kind of discussion is, is where it all starts. And some people will contribute ideas and, and, and disappear, and some people will, will follow up on them. But you, 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 um, it, it, it keeps growing until, until you develop coherent, logical, effective plans of action. And then, and that's what we did with with uh, 
um, with with that and with these with Proposition seventy one here in California and uh, and and with the uh, science and entertainment ex- exchange, you know, okay, we have a problem. Let's come on. Let's use hear everybody's ideas and 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 figure this thing out and and proceed. And, and I I think that if we do that and we persist, uh, I I I think you know. I mean, I know by experience. Uh, there's a really great possibility that will have um, a real demonstrable impact. Could I offer that same question to Stuart Brand? Well, you know, I find I've been talking to various audiences about this book, Holist Discipline, and the young audiences I find are both most exciting to me to talk to and most excited by some of the prospects. And I gradually realized that this is their century. And they are faced with a situation of their civilization, uh, their prospects being um, gravely threatened, wholly in doubt. Uh, we could lose it. Uh, and it will be sorted out in their century, in their lifetimes. So they get to have one of the most exciting lifetimes uh, in all of human history, uh, where huge events will occur. They will be in, be in the thick of them, and nobody knows how it's going to turn out. Uh, that is, on the one hand, quite frightening, and on the other hand, quite thrilling. And for Chris Scotes, um, would you like to expand upon that uh, and also discuss uh, the uh, method behind which the media stream is going to have to expand now to encourage this evidence uh, that we see uh, in our world and encourage, uh, moreover, the feedback that we need to get from people all around the world? Well, first of all, let me, let me say about the event of the weekend. I think that I hope that people come with an open mind. I hope that the conversation is both provocative, educational, and as Jerry sort of used the word disruptive, I hope the conversation is disruptive and that people leave the event challenged to think about the future in a very different way. And I think that, again, it's about, um, it's an, there's an educational possibility here, a place of learning. Uh, and hopefully people will have a, a meaningful experience that they, they can then think differently upon about all these things we're discussing. That's the first point. Can you just repeat the part, second part of the question? I'm sorry. The second part of the question was uh, talking about the media streams, the converging uh-huh. of the media streams in order to uh, elevate these issues which are clearly of an urgent nature now, but moreover, to encourage feedback and to find a way to gain that feedback from people all around the world? Well, I think it's in part a museum working with an aquarium, working with, the, with it, working with people in film, working with people in the sciences, and allowing us to um, provide a much more complicated and interesting conversation. And then as I think Jerry also pointed out with notions of cell phones and social networking sites, gathering this information in a, almost in a think tank environment to use these platforms. So these platforms of media that we all are, or use every day don't just get forgotten about. I mean, how do you provide a conversation that keeps the process going and the feedback from all of these events that we these distributed events the event on sunday the conference later the films that people are making 
You know, uh, I think as somebody else pointed out, I think with Stuart Brown, the conversation, the culture of thinking has to change about the environment and all these issues. And that's a much bigger issue that I think all this feedback can help do one step at a time. And when you think about the survey that came out recently within the last month that uh, the average teenager is now spending almost 50 hours every week interacting with some form of media, clearly there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Could I, uh, in the last minutes of the program, return to you, uh, Dr. Jerry Schubel, as the host of this event, um, uh, just to ask you again the expectations uh, of of this particular event, uh, the the expectations uh, and the, the resolutions that you hope to come out with this moving forward. My hope is that people will go away having listened in on a conversation among four very talented people with with different expertise and and different viewpoints, but that there will be some common threads that will tie them together to this big issue of ensuring the the capacity of Earth to continue to sustain human life. Most of the people who are there will not fully appreciate how new humans are to the evolutionary stage and the extent to which we dominate it and the extent to which we have altered the ecosystem services that we depend upon for our survival. And those are services that are provided in large measure by other living things. We're in the, we are changing things so rapidly that many animals and plants cannot adapt and they can, cannot evolve, evolve rapidly enough to keep up. So we have to figure out how do we take a time out and slow things down, slow the rate of change down, and part of it will be reliance or, or getting more people to be committed to the traditional forms of conservation and environmentalism, but it will also be that they will be willing to engage in these explorations of whether or not we need different ideas to um, to improve this relationship uh, of what will become probably 10 billion people on the planet from 6.8. And so I want them to go away questioning, wanting to learn more, and thinking to themselves, these are the kinds of discussions that we need to have more of in this state, in this country, and in this world. And as uh, Stuart Brand said, in regards to the young people, it is their future. Um, How do you encourage uh, uh, Jerry Schubel, young people, to attend um, uh, the Aquarium of the Pacific? Uh, because they they must be um, th- the the absolute important and vital audience that you're looking for to uh, see the changes and and the problems in 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 our oceans. Now that's exactly right, and it, and it's a, a little bit disturbing that our aquarium and most science centers and most museums and other aquariums, the one age group where we begin to lose people, are when they're in their teens and. Uh, then when, they, when they're young adults and they, they, they get married and they have children, they're all back in museums and aquariums. But we've got to capture them during, during those periods. And one of the things that we're doing is to rely much more on media because that's what they, they enjoy. 
we tried an experiment a few weeks ago where we had a dive night, and it, com- it was only for the the, the younger crowd, uh, late teens and early and twenties, and maybe early thirties. And we thought maybe we, we'd get three hundred people. We ended up with fourteen hundred, and it was a combination of, of mixing. Uh, they had the full run of the aquarium, and then there was an art exhibit uh, that was a juried art exhibit, and it was very popular. So we will be doing more of those. And we will be relying much more on media of of a variety of kinds to get people there. Dr. Jerry Schubel, host of the upcoming 5D event in Long Beach, Stuart Brand, Chris Scotes, Jerry Zucker, and my colleague Randall Libero, I would like to thank you very much for being on the program today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this program as much as I have. You can get information on this or any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. There is also a blog page where you can um, provide any questions or place any questions on there for any of our guests to respond to. I'm sure that they will be happy to in a spare moment. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.